Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Episode number 3.43, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and of course, Comac, New York. It is Wednesday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk podcast, and more. And what's the end more? Oh, there's a lot more tonight. There's a lot more. It's the night before Thanksgiving. It's the best night of the year to go out. We were young. We were kids. Come home from college. You see all your boys. What are we doing tonight? We're going out. Definitely. Definitely. Dude, when are you getting back from school? I don't know. I'm probably going to get in Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday morning. You know, it depends. Depends on what time the flight gets in. Awesome. We're going out. We're totally going out. Everybody's going to be at Finley's maybe. Maybe the Dodger. I don't know. Do you have ID? Yeah, I have ID. I have awesome ID. All right, sweet. So who's driving? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Who doesn't drink? I don't know. We'll get somebody to drive. We'll have a designated driver. We'll take a cab. What does it even matter? Like, we'll drive there, and we'll just take a cab home and go get our car the next day. Doesn't matter. Oh, did you hear that uh, Stacy slash Danielle slash Melissa slash Jennifer is going to be there? I did. I heard. Do you think she'll talk to me this year? She's not going to talk to you. She's dating, like, a senior in college. Guy's, like, got, like, a mustache. No chance. Speaking of mustaches. Did you see what Chris slash Michael slash Brian slash Joey slash Frankie slash slash Dan did? Did you see his goatee? Yeah, dude. I don't know. What are you going to do? Grunge. What can you do? It's grunge. Seriously, Steve, are you wearing those shorts out tonight, by the way? It's November. Are you wearing khaki shorts and a flannel wrapped around your waist with a, uh, a thermal long sleeve shirt on? Are you really wearing that out to a bar? It's It's November in the Northeast. And your hair is long, dude. Your hair is really long. Sweet. What time is Sports Center on? Are we going to catch the 11 or what? Who's who's on tonight? Is it Dan Patrick? Who is it? Is it Patrick and Overman? Sweet. Kilborn? Dude, the ball will have it on. Don't worry about it. Are the Knicks playing? Nice. Mint. <laughs> and there he is. That's what we used to do on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. That, or no. otherwise, otherwise known as the night before Thanksgiving. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode number 3.43. Let's get right to it. We're going to talk about sports. We're also going to talk about uh, the night before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, football on Thanksgiving. These things are intertwined. It's America. 
It's Americana. It's a slice of Americana. PJ's going to come in later and talk about Andy Boss. Finally, we're going to talk about the Italian Thanksgiving. Been hearing a lot about this today. Rich Catino was talking about it. Ted Berg was talking about the Italian Thanksgiving. I don't know how that happened. Guess he's Italian on, on one half. Um, we're going to talk about that. So we got we got a ton to do. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's bring in the uh, French Canadian Italian partner of mine. Yes, that's right. Direct from an engagement at You're Laughing in South LA, Compton. Laugh, idiot. That's a good club. That's a tough club. Again, he does the racial stuff there. It really goes over well. Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino Caliente. Hello, Brian. Hey, Steve. What's up, dude? Yo, I'm going out after this. You coming? Definitely. How's school? All right? Yeah, it's good. Yo, it's it's the biggest going out night of the year. I don't know if it's, you've heard. Dude, everybody's going to be out tonight. Everybody's going to be oh, out. Man. Cal, how's school, man? You you pick a major yet? A major. <laughs> Who cares? Did you get the new Pearl Jam album? That's awesome. Dude, I don't know if they're as good as, you know, I just saw Singles last week. That movie is tremendous. Movie's dude, you, mint. Dude, you look like the guy from Singles tonight. How'd you <laughs> pull that off? How'd you even know? Campbell Scott? Yeah, I'm in a band, Cal. Of course I'm in a band. These are oh, all these are all conversations we would oh, have. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. So long ago. What's going on in the uh, in the in the Cal household, uh preparation wise for uh for Thanksgiving? Is it is it crazy there? Are people running around are the children working on cranberries? What's happening? Eh, they're, they're working on projects. They're supposed to be sleeping, but they're doing some sort of projects. I don't know. Like a like a Thanksgiving montage or like a mural or something or right i saw i saw paper bags and crayons right it, wow will paper mache be involved i don't think i don't think it's gonna go that far <laughs> i think it's really just the stall tactic so they don't have to go to sleep i don't think they have anything you know <laughs> this is not some sort of creative plan for thanksgiving it's just they don't want right. to go to sleep right now they're working the clock right now they're excited though they're playing a four corners offense right now Oh, definitely. No shot clock. <laughs> right, they're Princeton. They're just completely slowing down the clock right now. This is pre-shot clock, uh, <laughs> kid. They're taking those one, you know, like a, the jump shots off one foot right now. Right. <laughs> the running the running Bob Cousy jump shots. They are completely stalling right now. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? Let's do this, too, while we're at it. Bring them right in. Because I, I want to... Right, I want to get to the sports... And then I want to get to the Thanksgiving stuff. You, but I'm a little concerned. I feel like you want to rush through the sports to get to the Thanksgiving stuff. No, no, the sports will get its due. Look, we we should break down tonight's show as if it's a. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, pop culture PJ the Bishop, uh, welcome to the show, Bishop. We should. Hey guys, <laughs> and... you guys going out? <laughs> totally going out tonight. What are you going to a movie or something? I don't know. I started taking this psych course and it like played with my head. <laughs> and like I got the new Extreme album. Did you hear that? I did. I did. Nuno Betancourt. Dude, Nuno. He shreds. He shreds. He's unbelievable. And you know, the 
black nail polish, it says a lot. And I think I think I'm staying in. I think I I gotta spend some time uh with me. You gotta spend some me uh, Yeah, sorry, no, I guys. get that. That's cool. That's cool. You know, you know what? You know what? You know what? Go, if I started drinking, I I don't even know you know who I'd be. You know. Go grab uh, August and everything after, and just you got that right. The the Crow CD, you got that. The dude, County Crow CD. Dude, I I just I just stare at it. I just stare at the cover. I just stare at it. Bro, how come you haven't even mentioned the dreads that I, I got on? That's where I got it from. Cali, he is straight dirt tonight. The man. You know, you go. It's like it's like it's like these new guys are like they're like reading Kierkegaard, and then and then putting it down. That's the funny thing. Like they're not, and they're not just reading it; they're reading it. You know, there's a no. No, there's I a know. Difference. I was gonna say that. <laughs> the total difference. Oh, it's good oh. to see you, man. It's good to see you, man. Good luck at school. All right. Got any weed? Tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, how's your sister doing? How's your sister? Hey, hey, <laughs> just hey, say hi to your hey, sister. Hey. <laughs> no, man, just say hi. Just, just say hi. That's she all. Got, she got fat. I will say hi. Where's she, Where's she at tonight? Eating. Right. Um, <laughs> it's good to have you. I was thinking that we should break down this show like a Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, so <laughs> like the, like the the whole day. So like the sports. I'm not. I don't want to treat the sports as the Andy boss. Okay, and I'm I'm speaking of an Italian Thanksgiving dinner here, which means there's a that popsicle. word gets more Italian every time you try to say it. It does, doesn't it? By the by, the end of the show, it's just gonna be anba. <laughs> Who knew there was a D in that? Right. Who knew? <laughs> I was I was talking to somebody today. There's a, a girl that I work with. She's great, and her dad is. She's first generation Italian, and her dad is is from the old country, and really. Uh, so anytime we have like an Italian question. She's like, I'll just call my dad. And today I was trying to figure out, uh, my grandmother always used to say, uh, you know, with the Andy Boss that you'd have um, half with anchovies and half without. That's the way okay. my, That's the way Uncle Tommy makes it. Uh, that's the way my grandmother used to make it or whatever, because not everybody likes the hairy fish. And uh, she used to call it uh, a leech. But I didn't know if that was like O-L-I-G-G you know, C or whatever, it's actually A-L-I-C-I, Alich. So she may, she used to, Uncle Tommy makes half with Alich, half without. You know, around here, they got three spellings of antipasto. <laughs> there's there's anti, antipasto. Yes. Antipasta and antipasti. Anti with an I. And yeah, they right. all go. Right. But again. I don't, but, I don't even know what's correct anymore. Well, let's treat the show as if the sports. So this, what we're doing right now, is the Andy Boss. That's nice. You're getting a little cow. You're having the little hot peppers. Yeah, you know, a little ham, a little salami. Right, a little salami, nice, a little gabagool, maybe. Not, not even uh, the hard, hard cheese, the one the that provolone. makes provolone. The provolone, but then the stinky cheese makes stinky, your mouth itch. Well, yeah, you get the stinky cheese too. Olives. Nope. You got olives Nobody's nice. sitting down though, right? Nobody's sitting down. Everybody's kind of hovering, walking, no, you hovering. Pick. You pick. Yeah. You're coming. You and pick. pick. You make circles around the table. Right. So that's what that's what we're talking about now. That's what this little thing is now. And then okay, the okay, pasta right. course will be the sports. Right. Maybe a monogot or a lasagna. I don't know about you, but it used to vary in my house. 
the pasta course would vary. It was either like a lasagna, maybe sometimes stuffed shells. We never had that. No pasta course? Well, you no, are nah, no, not I that French-Canadian. I never had a strict Italian Thanksgiving. How about you, Peach? Did you have the pasta course? Well, this, this is this is my fun load. You got to we got to oh, okay. check in on the fun load every couple of minutes. The 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 the, uh, the idea of the fun load is: Did this ever appear on your table? Oh, you, okay, good. We'll save it. I've then. got some. I've got some crazies that, that have appeared at my at my uh, either my table or my my in laws. Beautiful. All right, good. So we'll we'll do that in the fun load. So let's get to the sports then. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you in a minute. We got we we definitely have sports to talk about. The Jets are actually playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe they saved their season. There's a lot of sports we want to talk. Could we do that? We'll hang out at the bar later. We'll hang out at the bar later. Tell you what, Peach, meet us meet us at the back bar at like eleven. You know what? I do. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna come late because you know what? I brought home um, my notebook and I want to show you some stuff I wrote, man. But like, be cool, all right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Man. All right. I want to check. I'll see if I can get us a table. All right, maybe I'll read it to you, but not if, not if the girls are there. Then I'm not. Whatever. At like eleven fifteen, though, we'll probably be at the Dodger. Just saying. All right. Because it's easy to get in. All right, Cal. Just don't forget your hat. <laughs> don't forget don't your... leave your hat on the table. And don't forget your cool baseball hat backwards, like I'm wearing it right now. Right. You with know, the, with the brim that's almost completely in circular. You right. Know, you bend it so much that it's almost a circle. In other words, the complete opposite of how they wear it today. Right, it's like a tube, the uh, I and it's to, dirty. It's white and it's dirty. It's oh, it's filthy. It's disgusting. I had the 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 one from my school, the Dayton one. Right. That was classic, and it was just disgusting. Just yeah, you, you take a shower, you get all clean, and then you put that filthy hat on your head. <laughs> that that looks good. So I'm many, so many. For, you, I just remember working so hard on that Wednesday night. Oh my the, God, the just, goatee. The presentation was, it was. This was the huge night. You saw all these people that you haven't seen, especially freshman and sophomore year. I mean, junior year and senior year and stuff like that. It was still definitely a huge night out, but you were a little more established then. But like freshman year and sophomore year, you come home from college, you haven't seen. It's the first you, time you're seeing people, right? People you saw every day for. 12 years, <laughs> literally like 12 years, and now you're seeing them for the first time in four months. Right. Oh, man. A lot, of work. Was, a lot of work was, went into that night. There was no email. There was no texting. You didn't keep in touch with anybody. Nobody picked up a phone and called anybody. No. When you're a freshman in college. No. No way. I, 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 I wasn't calling my mother or father. I certainly wasn't giving you a shout. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll catch you at Thanksgiving. Yeah, especially not at, you know, with like literally long, this is going to sound completely foreign to some people who might be listening to this podcast, but with long distance rates. Like you oh. had to pay a phone bill. Right. Remember, you had your, did you, you, I had a phone in my dorm room. And the long distance telephone company was the University of Dayton. <laughs> so I would get a phone bill from UD. And my, I had a long-distance girlfriend for the first two years of college, or year and a half, <laughs> so she got rid of me. Um, I'm not bitter at all, at all. Um, and you'd get that phone bill, and it'd be like $87. You'd be like, where am I going to get $87? Like to a college freshman? Oh, that was a month's worth. <laughs> that might as well be a million dollars. You had to pay long distance. You had to pay per call. There's no such thing as a cell phone. Oh, we're old. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> do we have a big unload? We do have a big unload. Okay. Uh, I actually have uh, two things in the big unload. The first is, let's get this out of the way, because it happened in the interim between last week's show and this week's show. Congratulations to R.A. Dickey. I just wanted to get your your quick take on, because we haven't had a chance to talk about this. How did you feel about him winning? And then do you think it makes them, do you think it has any effect on them signing him to an extension? Uh, part one, I was proud. It's the weirdest thing with Dickie. It's like every time he does something, I have this, I have this sense of pride. Like I'm proud of him. Right. Um, it, it makes me, it makes me really happy. Yeah. Like stupidly happy that I'm like grinning. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I like, agree. You know? I agree. There's and nothing then, and then about I, this guy, yeah. Yeah. And then I just, and like, I'm, I'm really proud of him. I'm like, I'm like, you know, the whole, his whole story, his whole year, the book, Climbing the mountain, the 20 wins, you know, the back-to-back one-hitter, everything about it. And I guess it's because he connects with the fans, too. And he goes out of his way to make no bones about the fact that he, he you know, he appreciates the fan support. And that's a, that's a guy, now, let's not be too, you know, be throwing roses at him too much, because part of it is by design, because he knows that he will always look like the good guy in any kind of negotiation. Do you really think that though? I don't. I don't. I don't think that's what. I don't think that's what's driving it. But I don't think he's discounting that. Okay. You know, okay. he's yeah. he's genuine enough where I don't think that that's driving it. But he's also savvy enough to know that. Let me play that angle, so I can garner support, or at least keep it where it is. Right. At least be be conscious of of how good that that image is and that. He's a, he he is acutely aware of it, whereas a lot of athletes are just completely oblivious to it. What What did you think about it being such a, a blowout, uh, uh, such a, you know, a runaway for him? I was surprised, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was very surprised at that, but um, I st- it, well, what it made me think of was how I wanted to rank it or where it ranked for me in the best pitched seasons I've seen by a Met. And in my lifetime, those are all judged by uh, Dwight Gooden's 1985 uh, season. In our lifetime. In our, in our lifetime, that's right. Because we didn't see Seaver's big years. No. no. Um, so, so it, to, where's that feel? I, I thought it was so different because he's a knuckleball pitcher. Like, that Gooden season in 85, 24 and 4, you know, We've been over the numbers at 1.53 ERA, 270 plus strikeouts, you know, 250 innings, uh, you know, 10 complete games. Like Gooden's 85 season was the most dominant pitching season I've ever seen on a daily basis. Um, I, you know, we didn't see Pedro that year with the with the Red Sox. You know, I mean, that was even before like the MLB package and stuff. So you couldn't watch every Pedro start. Um, unless you are a Red Sox fan. So, does Dickey's season compare? Yeah, it's got. I mean, just from a statistical standpoint, it compares. Well, but I'm, I, I, I know that. But from the eye test, yeah. Well, that, my my point is definitely from the eye test. I would say from the eye test first, and then if you need validation, you look at the numbers. 
and the numbers are right there. Yeah, maybe that's a good point. I just I can't put it it's it's up there, but I can't put it close. Is it is it, is it better than Cone's eighty eight? I don't know. I, mean, I, was thinking, I was thinking about that too. What was Cone then? Twenty and three? Twenty and three, two 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 ERA. He didn't he wasn't a starter till late that year, right? Uh didn't he well, start here in the bullpen? May. Be the first month in the bullpen though. Like, he conceivably could have had four more starts. So, yeah, that was... But he, he finished... I think he finished third that year. He was behind Hershiser, well, obviously. Yeah. And I think he also finished behind um, Danny Jackson on the Reds. You know, you might be right. That's just bad luck, though. That's just Coney having that year. That, yeah. Coney, because, you know, we're boys. Cone having that year in, in when... Oral Hershiser was having an historic season. Right. What? Yeah. What are the, what are the odds? History. Right. I I don't know. They're such disparate pitchers. Here's the thing, though, about Dickey, and 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 there was a we, better team too, Cal. The '85 team was better. It was a better Met team. What well, '85? What '85 is out of the? We're not even talking about '85. But '88 was better too. Well, '88 was a better team than the '85 team. The '88 team won the NL East. Yeah. No, well, I mean, and, and, team won 100 games. But that might be why Dickey's season stands out to me. Because it, yeah, because it, uh, like, okay. the light shone so brightly on Dickey. Dickey didn't have Gooden and Darling and, and Ojeda in the rotation with him. It was just Dickey. That was it. Right. You know, other than Santana's no-hitter. You had just Dickey. And if, when, as we're watching him, and we're watching him throw back-to-back one-hitters, and we're watching him pitch complete games and, and just dominating teams, we're thinking, this guy is going to win the Cy Young. But as Met fans, we're thinking, but he's a Met. Something's going to happen. He's not going to win the Cy Young. <laughs> It'll go wrong. You know, so we didn't, we didn't allow ourselves to go there all year. Yeah. And I, and I think if we had, we would have appreciated how great the season really was. Well, you go inside the numbers... Whether you I just tra- no, I know, but it's it works. There's I a reason know. that the phrase "inside the numbers" has been around for so long. It works. Why don't we have music for that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mechanical swishes and <laughs> beep boop beep boop beep boop boop. Let's or go like, inside the numbers. Or like gears and metal right. things smashing. Um, but if you you he fit the criteria Dickie did from both angles, the sabermetrics angle and the traditional stat value stats. So he had all of that. He was a fantastic story. Except he was a gimmick pitcher to some. Well, well, that's what I was just going to say. Right. He wasn't doing it in the dominant fashion or, or in the fashion that others had dominated previously. Therefore, there was a discount to it. I thought, and, and I think that his story made up for that, Bri, but I thought that that made the season he had even more remarkable because of how few walks he had. Right. And he had, right. two, what, two, he led the league in strikeouts, and he only had like 55 or, or maybe 62 walks in 230 innings. For a knuckleballer, that's unheard of. Think about it. The, the knuckleball is such a mercurial pitch that it's, you can't you can't control it. Right? You go look and, at Phil Nico's best years, and Phil Nico had great years. He had great years. Right. But when and you're throwing he's a knuckleball, got, he's got 80, 90 walks in there. Easy. Oh, absolutely. And when you're throwing a knuckleball 
you it's not a stretch to say from pitch to pitch, not even from like inning to inning or game <laughs> right. to game. From right. pitch to pitch, you don't know. You don't know. You could lose it. And the fact that he walked so few guys over a full season like that is remarkable. The other the other thing I love too is the back to back one hitters. I thought that should have been talked about more. And, and I, I really do. I mean, that was an accomplishment that had not been done in the National League in like 100 years. He right. threw back-to-back complete game one hitters on the road against the American League. Against the Orioles and the Rays. It's not like it wasn't against the Royals and the Twins. Right, against two 90-win teams. Right. Uh, I, I thought that should have been discussed more. The only other guy to do it in the American League, I think, was like Dave Steeb in like 1989 or something like that. Like that was the last time it was done in the American League. This is not something that's it, – it's not like it's the cycle. You know, this is not something that's done all the time. It's not even a no-hitter. Right. Right. Yeah. It's almost harder to do than a no-hitter. It, it, was, well, it is. Right. It was less uh, prevalent, right, the frequency of which in the National League, it was like once every hundred years. I'm looking at Phil Necro's numbers. By the way, I was tempted to go look at Lance Necro's numbers. <laughs> so here's here's a great example, okay? Here's a, here's a Necro year that you'll love. Okay, Phil Necro, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. 1974, at the age of 35. Or, no, it, this is even better. Uh, he goes, at the age of 30 and 69, he goes 23 and 13 with a 2.56 ERA, right? Throws 284 innings. My goodness, man. Take a day off. And he only has 57 walks. Okay? That's pretty good. Right. Dickey's season is on par with that. In right. fact, his, his, his uh, uh, ERA was a little better, and I think he had more strikeouts. Um, but 20 and 13, right? Uh, 88 walks. 302 innings. <laughs> Here's Nico. Here's another one. 21 and 20. He pitched every day. He gave up 41 home runs, which is something that went up for Dickey uh-huh. uh, this year, too, because the strikeouts went up. Right. Uh, 113 walks in, in 342 innings. 164 walks is his most. That's a lot. How many did Dickey have last year? This, this, uh, this, this past season? Year. 62, yeah. I think. Okay. Let me punch that up. Yeah, but uh, it, it was a remarkable year for any pitcher. It was extraordinary for a knuckleballer because it just doesn't happen. Right, and he deser- and he deserved the Cy Young. I don't think there's any question totally that, he, that he deserved it. Now, to answer your second part, part two. 54 walks in 233 innings, Cal, with 230 strikeouts. I believe. I mean, that's that's tremendous. That's a 1.053 whip. That's tremendous. I don't know anything about whip. What is that? <laughs> it was so great with the Trout Cabrera debate. What is that like an ERA or something? The, uh, the, what? What is whip? Seriously? No, I'm kidding. Come on. Okay, I'm sorry. Me there. I don't know. I don't know where you are with advanced metrics. We've never had the talk. I'm. I am not. I am in remedial advanced metrics. But okay. I'm. Wi- but I'm willing to listen. <laughs> because this is this is like the sex talk for us. This is yeah, like no. we've never had the talk. We've kind of danced around it. Bri, sit down. I'd uh how you doing, champ? <laughs> uh good. How's school and everything? Good? What's this all about? <laughs> well, I, I noticed you were watching the ball game the other night and and uh they showed some statistics and I thought maybe you'd have some questions. 
Wait, who's Bill James? What? They said Bobip, son. They said Bobip. I know you have questions. We're all scared a little bit. Our first time. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I learned it by watching you. Um, and I want to go back to your second, the second part of your question. Please do. Which you know, just to remind everyone, it was so long ago. <laughs> right. We got off on a tangent. Question I asked at nine forty-two. Well, the second part of it was: Does this affect the chances of the Mets signing him to an extension or keeping him? And I think absolutely not. I think it has nothing to do with it because, and I'm glad you brought this up because I've been dying to talk about this for a week. Thanks. For a week, and you don't know this. I don't know from what I didn't, talking. I didn't tell you that this is what I wanted to talk you about. You don't know me. <laughs> I you do it, Marvin. <laughs> Sorry. That's a little callback from a past episode. That was like we flashed back like Arrested Development style. <laughs> Save it for the best of. That's right. <laughs> that's um, the, that's, that'll be the Christmas show. Right, we have a retrospective coming up. Yeah, that'll be a Christmas show. Um, PJ's playing Scrooge, by the way, in the Christmas show. Of course he is. PJ's going to be the one who has the dream about... Right, with the three... Uh... Right. He's going to be the bah humbug. There's a fight right now over who gets to be Christmas past, president, and future. Dr. E. Ray Stat is going to be back. Pat. Well, he'll be Christmas past. He'll be Christmas past, that's right. He'll be Marley. He'll be Marley, <laughs> visiting PJ. Um, here's what I wanted to talk about. Everybody... and And... People are bringing up the situation with Jose Reyes when talking about the situation with Ari Dickey and with David Wright. And here's what I think. I think certainly in Dickey's case, David Wright's case, I, I am not even, I'm not concerned about that. I believe something's going to get done soon. Still not concerned. I'm not concerned. Not yet. I'm just taking your temperature, man. You can't concern me. <laughs> not yet. I'm not worried about that. In your um, on a weekly basis with the David Wright thing. Yeah, okay. No, maybe I'm in the, denial. The meter is still at not concerned. Okay. I'm fine with it. You know, talk to me in January. Right. And we might have a problem. When the, when the meter pins to oh crap. It, right. And oh, and it'll pin fast. It'll go from not concerned to oh crap like that. There's no gradual uh, right movement here. No, the thing with Dickie is that I think he's his value to the Mets is on the Mets. I think he he. He gives the Mets more value being on the team than he does in any anything that they're going to bring back for him. Really? Yes. And I'll tell you why. He he's going to sell tickets. Ari Dickey is going to, which is crazy to even say, but Ari Dickey is going to sell tickets. He's also a veteran presence. He's a leader on that team. You're going to be you're going to have a young pitching staff. You're going to have Harvey. You're going to bring up Wheeler. Why would you not want a guy like Dickey there to mentor these guys for the next couple of years? I think that value and the fact that he's a good pitcher is more outweighs what you're going to get back for a 38-year-old knuckleballer. I, I, I think it's another it's another situation where you overrate your players and you think that you can get more back because he's yours than really what might be out there. I don't... I don't have a problem with the Mets listening. I don't have a problem with the Mets looking into it or even shopping him. But I think it's got to be like the perfect deal in order to get rid of him right now. And I would and I would try to give him $30 million for the next three years or whatever it's going to take and just sign him to a three-year extension 
and and move on and, and have him anchor your staff for the next couple of years? I think <clears throat> Jeremy Guthrie just got $25 million for three years from the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. $25 million. Three years, $25 million, okay. based on 14 starts. 14 starts for the uh, Royals last year where he went, uh, let's see, 14 starts. He went, uh, I keep, uh, I'm trying, sorry, it's there, but, uh, get, bop, 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 beep, 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 boop, 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 let's see here. Boy, I'm having a Francesca moment. He went 5-3 and three with a 3.16 ERA in those 14 starts. Okay? Three years, $25 million. And he's 33 years old. Right. Okay. What is R.A. Dickey worth? R.A. Dickey is worth... Both... Both. I, I'm talking... Does that change? No, I don't... I don't How think about so. now? Does that, no, but does that change what you think you can get back for R.A. Dickey? From a team like the Kansas City Royals, perhaps? I mean, if you can get an, and uh, I know it always depends on the deal, but if you can get an Alex Gordon and a serviceable catcher, or a prospect catcher, don't you make that trade? Isn't that more valuable than R.A. Dickey's uh, on the team? Here's, I I hate myself for even doing this. <sighs> Joel Sherman wrote an article. Oh boy! Wow. We need music for this. And Joel Sherman, in his article, speculated... Joel Sherman of the New York Post? Of the New York Post, yes. One of the trolliest Met writers in existence. Yes. This just in. Cal is citing Joel Sherman. This wasn't a trolley article, though. And he speculated that maybe the Blue Jays... Right, the Blue Jays that just pulled off that huge trade. Maybe the Blue Jays could use another starting pitcher for their rotation. I like to call them the Party Time Jays now. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Salsa Jays. How about, how, about, how about Los Blue Jays? How does that Los, Los Azul Jays? Now that Jose Reyes is there, do you think we can teach them the soccer chant up there? Yeah, yeah. I think it's because there's no hockey. They've gone crazy. They've gone. They've gone mad. Los um, Blue Jays. The 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 blue the Blue Jays have two catchers. Yes. Two major league ready catchers. They've got a couple of major league ready center fielders, and they've got a couple of young pitchers. And and if they could get like a a, a JP Aaron Sebia and an Anthony Goes for Dickey, I would do that. Right. If they could get that, and, and remember, this is just pure speculation on his part. And what I'm saying, Brian, is that I think they... Do you think they could get something like that? I think they can, yes. Because Dickey is going to be in... What are you going to pay him? Three years and $30 million. Okay, Jeremy Guthrie just got three, year, three years and $25 million. But I feel like he would give the Mets a little bit of a discount. I don't think he'd take... No, he three, definitely would. He definitely I don't, think, would. I don't think he would take three years, $30 million from I don't Toronto. think so. I don't think so either. But I actually, I think he would. Because I think he'd take three and twenty-four from the Mets. I don't think. No, no, no. In addition to this year. Well, you, what you do is you rip up this year. You rip I, don't up, this, I don't rip up anything. Well, you, maybe you don't rip it up. 
Do they unless, have to do it that way? Unless you were being very dramatic about right. it. <laughs> and he also just very quietly. <laughs> Here's what I think you're going to do. It all comes back to me wanting to one day slide an offer across the table to somebody. I'm thinking of a number. number. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. He will give the Mets a bit of a discount. I'm just saying I do think that a, a trade like that might be available. And if it is, and you can fill two spots. Yes, I would, I would, I would co-sign. For a 38-year-old knuckleballer who I love too, Bri. I love I know. Too. I know. But I don't, do we, we don't know how much more we got. That's all. Now, look, uh, uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Mets. I want to, before we get to the Jets and the Giants, I want to ask you, though, about the whole Trout-Cabrera MVP thing. Because this, to me, was one of my favorite things that I followed on Twitter, like, since I started using Twitter. I mean, it was great. There were fights all over the place. It was great. And it was like... You know, uh, uh, the advanced metrics guys versus the traditional guys. And and if you were, like, in the middle, like, if you're a little of both, you had to, like, stay out, you had to stay out of the conversation. But one of the things I found hilarious was, like, Craig Carton here in New York on the on the morning program with Boomer uh, Esaias and Craig Carton, who's sort of, as you know, Cal, sort of shock jockey or whatever, was like, uh, they were making fun of war. Like, they spent an entire morning making fun of the war statistic. Um, you know, what does it stand for? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, I'm a geek. I'll get, you know what it means? It means you never get laid, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so apparently all I got out of this entire debate, Bri, is that if you think that RBIs are still a standard bearer statistic, especially for MVP voting, you get laid all the time. <laughs> if you If you don't, you're a virgin. That's the lesson. With the AL uh, MVP voting. The lesson is, if you know what BABIP is, that's it. No ladies for you. You've never even seen a woman. Hmm. And it, and if you say a Triple Crown winner wins, hands down, it's over, you are covered in the ladies. That's it. That's what the whole debate came down to. Uh, so it just, it just has to do with women? That's right. That's what it comes back to? Yep. Interesting. Hey, where do you stand on all of this? I thought it was, I really thought, you know, advanced metrics and and sabermetrics and stuff like that, the the advanced statistics have been around and gaining steam for 20 years now, you know, or 15 years at least. And then, of course, Billy Bean has used them and stuff like that and Moneyball and blah, 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 blah. This was, to me, the first time it entered the conversation in a legitimate fashion. Because you had Mike Trout was – Mike Trout, for like sabermeticians, is like the perfect storm. Right. It's like he was created by a sabermetrician. That's, that's exactly like, right. It's like in a lab somewhere. It's like Bill James built him <laughs> from like a stratomatic kid. Right. There's like bubbling cauldrons all over the place. <laughs> and he's got a computer and he's wearing a long white coat. Right, you go down to Bill James' laboratory, right, there's, like, cutouts of Mike Trout and, like, you know, with his, his head on, like, Bryce Harper's body. You know, he, he was created in a lab because he had every traditional stat and he had all the advanced stats that Cabrera 
didn't necessarily have or weren't as great. So he was like the perfect storm for sabermeticians. That's why they could not let this go. They couldn't let go of the bone. And I have to be honest, mm-hmm. as opposed to lying like I do all the time, well, gosh, let's be honest. you have to smack me when I use these phrases. Let's be honest. Can you just FaceTime smack me right now? Yeah, I'm going to create an app for that, I think. <laughs> slap app. Slap app. Slap app. App slap. Uh, trademark. PJ, trademark that. Quick. Get the trademark people. Call our lawyer. It's already, um, it's already out there. I think it should have been Trout. You do? Yep. Okay. And here's the argument, one of the arguments that I love that the traditional staff people brought all the time, which was, besides the triple crown, the obvious triple crown, which to me, RBIs is that far diminished of a stat. Um, was, well, the Tigers made the playoffs. Yeah, but the Angels won more games. <laughs> so the, so who's more valuable to their team? Right. Like, you, If that's your argument about Cabrera being more valuable to the team is that his team made the playoffs, well, Trout's team won more games. What's more valuable, making the playoffs because you're in a lesser division or winning more games? And he missed the first three weeks of the season. Trout. I mean, it was two weeks of the season that they didn't call him up. Trout, Trout gets three singles in those two weeks. Okay? He gets three more hits, let's say. Right? Cabrera doesn't win the triple crown. Trout beats him out. Average one. Three more hits. Three singles. You're going to tell me over the course of a six-month season you can't find three singles in there? As as Bull Durham once famously said, as, or Crash Davis once famously said, uh, Gork, uh, ground ball, or ground ball with eyes. Any of those, he gets three of those. He wins. The, he doesn't win the triple crown. But don't you think? Oh, here he goes. No, no. Um, <laughs> Just I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm playing the part of the. Yeah, no, but here we go. <laughs> You're gonna tell me I'm a geek because of war, right? <laughs> no. Was it wrong that Miguel Cabrera won the MVP? No. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. That's all you wanted? So, you know, the geeks and the jocks can fight it out all they want. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because either one of them was the right choice. I love it. And I'm going to stay above the fray. I think that's that's the stance I'm going to take on sabermetrics versus traditional... Metrics. If you start singing How to Save a Life, I'm leaving. I'm saying Above the Fray. I'm not going to sing that song. I'm oh. Above, I'm Above the Fray. You're even past I'm, the Fray. Okay, I'm way it. past the Fray. I'm like into, gosh, Michael Buble. <laughs> Would he be Above the Fray? Oh, he's, oh, for sure. Right. Well, <laughs> did, you, did, you ever see, did you see when John Hamm hosted Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah, oh, um. Laying ha- bubbles in it. What was it? Uh, Hamm and <laughs> Bubbles. The restaurant or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he sings the Ham song. Ham and Buble. Ham and Buble. <laughs> but it's actually Buble. It's Bubbles. <laughs> he kidnapped him. Have some delicious ham. And some delicious champagne. Uh, right. He made him sing the song. Do you know what his OB, 
OPS Plus was, Cal? Come on. Who? John Hamm? <laughs> yes. Don Draper? Okay. Don Draper? All right. Great, tremendous sketch. John Hamm was tremendous hosting Saturday Night Live. He's, well, a couple of times. He's been yes. on a couple of times. Yeah, he's, well, he's the new Alec Baldwin. He might be. That's what I think, SNL-wise. Yeah, no, he's great. He uh, He's going to take that Baldwin mantle, host it ten times. He's hilarious. Kills it. As if I needed another reason to have a man crush on that guy. And where do you see his war? And <laughs> you should see... You should see his Bob Bip. It's huge. Oh, boy. Uh, so, wow. you know what? It's November 21st. Some of these stats are gorgeous. It's November 21st. I think we've, we've, we've beaten baseball into the ground. I think so. Right? That we, uh, it's, you know, we're heating up in the football season. It's Thanksgiving. And we just spent 45 minutes on baseball. His war was 10.7, Trout. So okay, let me let me see if I understand this. We can move on. I just wanted to get no 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 point seven. So if so, does that mean WAR is wins above replacement player, right? So does that mean if you take Mike Trout out of the Angels lineup and you replace him with whomever, that's good for ten wins for the Angels? Is that what that means? Yeah. Wins above replacement is a single number that re- that presents the number of wins the player added to the team above what a replacement player, think triple A or quadruple A, so that player that's right that's that's of a quality between triple A and the major leagues yeah. would add. Okay? Wow. So the scale for a single season, eight plus is MVP quality, five plus is all star quality, two plus is a starter. Zero to two is reserve. Below zero is replacement level. Okay? So start at zero and say that Mike Trout is replaced by the guy who played um, center field for, uh, at AAA for the Angels all season. Okay? And he played instead of Mike Trout in center field. Then the Angels would have won 10.7 less games. Less games. Essentially. Is that what that means? That's right. That's I, I first of all you can quantify the stat. You you can quantify it because well, you, how but how do you quantify it? Because if you, you plug in you plug you have the numbers of, of that, that player? placement player. That's right. You have the number of that average triple A or quadruple A player. Okay. So like it it's it's a it's a really fascinating stat. It really is. It's a really good stat. Okay, we can t- you're right. It's November twenty first. We'll get back to this at some point. And I well we should do it when we have Patrick Flood on. Right. We'll we'll do a sabermetrics show. Because Patrick Flood is nice. He does things nice. He doesn't he doesn't get crazy. He's not Keith Law. He's not gonna, you know, threaten to boil bunnies or anything or get absolutely nutbag about it. I could use an advanced metrics one oh one type of We could use that, right? And like I said, I'm I'm willing to listen. I'll give you here's one last example, okay, that maybe will clear it up for you a bit. All right? It won't, this, this past season, no, no, but just to give you an idea of a guy you watch every day. Okay, but I'm going to forget about this in about five minutes. But go ahead. Sweet, great. <laughs> David Wright. Yeah, I just, I just saw his WAR was like six point something. Six point seven this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, his best year in 2007 it was eight point. That's so he could have won the MVP. In he eight, won the in MVP that year, and he was fourth in the MVP voting that year. And he was sixth this year, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. 
6.7 this year. That means he added six more wins to the Mets if they had just had uh, Josh Satin playing third base every day. All right, so now let me ask you a question, and then we'll move on because now this is I'm because now we're now it's gotten crazy. My interest is peaked now. In contract negotiations, sure, does, would this come up? I don't know if it is yet. Would they say, "Look, you can let you could trade David Wright, and that's great," or you could let him walk as a free agent, but you're going to lose seven more games next year? Who are you replacing him with? That's right. Where are you getting those six wins? Do you think for a second that said, "Wow, I can't just did it again"? Slap back. App slap. <laughs> Quick. God, Steven, stop. Okay. What, do you think for a second? That's a, that was... that's a bad one, too. It's very aggressive. I was going all... That was very bad. Of course you would think for a second. Who am I? To challenge what you think. It's terrible. It's very aggressive. I don't, I don't care for it. It's just for a second, though. It is, too. If I said, if you think for an hour... If you think for a minute. Some people will use the phrase, if you think for one minute that I'm going to listen to your babble. About you know, you're, you're right. A minute is a lot. A second is acceptable. A second is fine. That's okay. If yeah. you think for a second that uh, it doesn't come up with a guy like Sandy Alderson, I see. No. No. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tag it with you're an idiot or you're nuts or you're stupid or you're crazy or you're, you're dumb. Wrong. Or you pants it down. I'm not going to tag it. I think I think a guy like Sandy Alderson, Cal, I think it would come up. I think a guy like Billy Bean, a guy like Theo Epstein, you know, uh, I think it comes up for those guys who who value the advanced metrics. How about a guy like Jim Leland? Not so much. His would be <laughs> war would be Winston. <laughs> Winston's above replacement. Uh, How many less cigarettes can I smoke in the dugout while this guy's on the field? In other words, if I get <laughs> that's what we need for Jim Leland. We need Winston's above replacement. It's like how many cigarettes, stress cigarettes, is this guy saving me from? Oh, there it is. That's war for Jim Leland. Winston against replacement. Winston, like Winston above replacement. If I have Miguel Cabrera, I get ten less Winston's. <laughs> I need ten less stress cigarettes. All right. Football, huh? You guys want macaroni, or should I just put out bread? <laughs> Can we get some more coffee while you're here? The problem is that you always fill up on the bread. Always. It's true. It's it's at, well, once it's I put at, it in the water, it's ten minutes. You know that. So tell me now. Do I make? <laughs> By the way, Peach, what you just did there was twofold. One, the Thanksgiving dinner and the food and stuff like that. Two... You also took us back to the Wednesday night or the night before Thanksgiving hanging out, which always inevitably ended up at a diner. Always. That evening, whether it was 4 o'clock in the morning, wound up at a diner. If you grew up in New York or New Jersey or Philadelphia, or, you wound yeah, up at a diner. I triple staff on, the, on uh, Wednesday. Yep. You wound, yeah. We wound up at Candlelight, Cal. I feel like we could have been at White Castle, though. No. Whitey Never? Castle? Really? Never? When, I, I'm not, look, I'm not going to say never. Maybe on a maybe on a different random break from Chris, school. Christmas break, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was maybe candlelight Thanksgiving. I feel like you go out, you hang out in Huntington, four o'clock in the morning. I mean, right. that's that's where you know our one buddy uh, Evan got pizza bagel. Right. Our one buddy had the the standard order 
at the diner, the drunk trip to the diner, which was always great for me because I lived across the street from it. Right. So we could take the cab there and I could walk home. Except it was a busy byway that you'd have to be careful <laughs> stumbling across. That's right. So, uh, and and our, our old buddy, Dr. Ira Stat, would always order a pizza bagel. That was his, I had my go-to order, you know, uh, uh, fries with uh, cheese with, with melted mozzarella and brown gravy. Right. And then uh, maybe uh, maybe like a chicken sandwich or something like that. Or you'd get eggs. Or you'd get eggs, right. Dan would always get an omelet. Eggs with... Because <laughs> he's Dan. Right, with the potatoes. Right. Evan uh, Pizza Bagel. Like which, Dan. <laughs> which led to the Pizza Bagel song. Pizza Bagel, Pizza Bagel, drop your pants, it's Pizza Bagel. Okay. That's what he, we, would, we would get the menus. He would take one look. Ev, what are you getting? Pizza Bagel, Pizza Bagel, drop your pants, it's Pizza Bagel, Pizza Bagel. I'm not sure what it was based on. Picture pages, maybe? Picture pages. Remember the game? Yeah. Picture pages, picture pages, everybody, picture pages. That was the pizza bagel song. Well, the cadence is the same. Pizza bagel, picture pages. <laughs> it's very good. And Dan would, of course, get eggs or like one hard-boiled egg. Like Dan would always get something really... <laughs> right, it was always like a shrimp parmesan <laughs> from the diner. Four o'clock in the morning. And Dan would be and like... coffee. You know what, I'm, he'd get like a, a toast and a tea... Or he'd get like a Monte Cristo and go hog wild. There was no in between. Yeah, everybody has that one buddy who's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a complete crapshoot. And of course, my friend Terry had my favorite line about a diner ever. Pete, you'll appreciate this. <laughs> we were at late night in Brooklyn. Uh, one night we were at the Kellogg's, which was our late night diner over on Union. And, uh, Union of Metropolitan. And uh, before they redid it, by the way, for those of you who know this diner, Ufa, this was, it, was, it was a greasy spoon diner then. They redid the place. So we're in there. It's like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. We've been out uh, rabble-rousing. And I'm taking a really long time with the menu. And we've been here a million times, plus it's a diner. And Terry's like getting frustrated now because the waitress has come over twice. Like, can you just give me another second? Just so you know. And he goes to me, he goes, Steve, it's a diner. Okay? If it's not on the menu, they'll make it. Okay? <laughs> it's a diner. It's true. And it, and it, I, those words, have, that, that had to be 15 years ago, and those words have stuck with me forever. It's so true. It's a diner. Okay? If you, if you say you want six eggs in a, in a dumpling on top of a, chicken salad sandwich. They'd be like, okay, that sounds good. No problem. I want a roasted chicken stuffed with egg rolls. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. You want gravy on that? You want gravy? <laughs> side, side of brown gravy? Fries, it's a diner. If you don't, if it's not on the menu, they'll make it. Very true. So you brought us to two places there, Peach. Good job. Good job out of you. Thank you. Uh, um, The Jets... And the Giants, Cal. The Jets are the Jets uh, after a big win against the Rams have the uh, the the Patriots tomorrow. Great day of football tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, you know it didn't it didn't seem like there would be until Sunday, and now we got three good games. Yep, we have three uh, three interesting games. Obviously, the Jets. Let's talk about the. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the first game, the Lions and Texans? 
because this is these are these are three games like I want to watch: Redskins, Cowboys, and then the Jets, Patriots. It's a big day. I I don't know what to make of this Houston team. I don't know what to make of any team right now, Brian. Just really? because, which well, because they can look even the best team. Well, let okay. Look at Houston this week, right? Against Jacksonville, they right. almost lost to Jacksonville. That's what I'm saying. The Falcons were supposed to be the trendy pick this year. They haven't looked great the last two weeks. The Giants, who we anointed as the best team in football, have lost three of four, and Eli Manning has tired arm. The Niners get taken to overtime by the Rams. A team the Jets knocked the crap out of the next week. The Saints started the season 0-4. Now they're 5-5. Five and five, Now they're back five in the and mix. Five. And completely in the mix. And, yeah. playing, and playing for Joe Vitt. Because when you got a guy like Joe Vitt, you want to play for him, Cal. It's a crazy, it's a crazy season. But I think that, yes, but I think it's more and more the norm. I think it's, Is it the new normal? It is the new normal. It's the new black. No, I really do. I, I think parody that, is the new black. There's been parody for a long time with a sprinkling of elite teams that have stayed there. The the Patriots, the Giants have been good for a number of years, and and you can look at a direct correlation to the quarterback. Right, those teams with the top level quarterbacks have been able to maintain uh, success over the last ten years or have winning seasons. Right, but every year there's a couple of teams that are. Uh, surprises, but also, you know, last year with the Packers. Like, the Packers were clearly the best team in football until they weren't, and they lost to the Chiefs. I think that's more and more. I think you, you're you're going to see more and more of those, you know, even the elite teams are going to have four games a year where they stink, or they're not good, or they get taken to the limit by a clearly lesser team. So you're not going to see a 16-0 and team for another long time? I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that because I think you – Well, I think that's what you're saying, though. No, but what I'm saying is that 16-0 and team is not going to be as dominant as the that Patriots team was, All right. for example. I mean, that Patriots team was 16-0 and and dominant. And I guess conversely, you're not going to see an 0-16 team or a team that was as bad as the Lions were that year. Because the teams are are just closer together. The only way you will is if you have what you had with the Colts last year, which was to suck for a player. Maybe. I mean, they, but, they, even, but even they won four games or whatever they won. Three. I think they won three. Three. But maybe. even but don't forget they won two of those late when they were pretty much assured of getting that first pick. I, I'm just saying I, I don't think you will see that unless there's an elite player, a once in a generational player involved. All right, so how about today, the best team in the league and the worst team in the league? The today. The gap today. I'm not, I'm not asking you who they are. Okay. But the gap between those two teams is much narrower than it was five years ago, the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. That's it. Okay. Yeah, to me, that's it. Uh, yeah, I could see that. So a couple, uh, and and I think a lot of it is a direct correlation to the quarterback play. I was watching, I got to watch the first half. Um, I mean, I watched the whole game, but I I, I went to a bar around the corner with my buddy for uh, the first half of the Jet game the other day, uh, just to get out of the house for a couple of hours because everybody had been sick. And um, a couple of Jet fans there, and we're having a nice conversation, talking about the team and stuff, making fun of them as we do because we're Jet fans, we're allowed. Nobody else is, 
we close ranks. And this guy made a this guy random guy in the bar made a great point about just the quarterback play in general in the NFL. You know, there's eight good quarterbacks. You know, the, uh, that are consistently good that week in and week out are probably going to have a great performance. If they have a bad performance, it's an anomaly. Right? The other 22 stink. They're wildly inconsistent. And, and it, the quarterback play in the league is, I mean, it's a goof. It's a goof. And they're all getting hurt. That's the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, there's there's literally seven or eight quarterbacks. And everybody else, it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot where you're going to get on a weekly basis. That's amazing to me. That says a lot uh, to me. That's a, if I was a gambler, that says a lot about how I would gamble. <laughs> like if I was how I was betting on games, you know. And and we put Roethlisberger in that category, even though he's hurt right now. But if Roethlisberger was healthy, you'd put him in there. Obviously, you have Rodgers, Brady, uh, Peyton Manning's back in there. Eli Manning, Breeze, um, Breeze, right? Um, Roethlisberger. You can't put Rivers in there anymore. Cutler, can't put Cutler, you can't put Cutler in there. There's you can't put Romo in there. There's too many weeks where they throw five picks. I'm talking about Matt Ryan, who threw five picks on Sunday. I can't put him in that category yet. Flacco, oh, definitely not. Definitely, he's not even close. He's Sanchez to me. I'm not putting Josh Freeman there. I'm not putting Matt Stafford there. You can't. I'm talking about guys. Schaub. Schaub, I put in there. I put him in there. Did you have to? I'm not putting Andy Dalton in there. You're going to tell me that on any given week, you can pretty much be assured Tom Brady's not going to throw five picks. I'm talking about uh, maybe implosion immune. How's that? Implosion immune. I like that. There are there are say seven or eight implosion immune quarterbacks. In All right. The rest are a time bomb. <laughs> Being ridiculously dramatic about it. <laughs> I think Big Ben is in there as well. I think Roethlisberger is in there as well. As a... He's as, as a, immune? He's immune, right. If he throws five picks in a week, Cal, it's, it's an anomaly. Right. Whereas you could have... Jay Cutler could have four implosions in one season. Well, I, I think I think using the five pick example is an anomaly for everybody. You know, you're not going to get a, a guy is not going to consistently throw five picks. No, but three when when but when the guy does it, when the guy has that game, is it a complete anomaly or is it once every you know he does it three or four times a season? Five I. Not five picks, but a, but the implosion game. That's I'm using I mean. I'm using five picks as an example of the implosion game. You know the game I'm talking about, where he blows up the game for his team. I know exactly what you're talking about. Those guys, if they do it once all year, it's a lot. That's right. Okay. It's an anomaly. It's a it's a statistical anomaly. It's an anomaly. It's an anomaly. I'm okay. gonna say anomaly again. It's an anomaly. I, you are hanging on that. It's an anomaly what it is. Right. So and and I think that's goes into this idea of any team can sort of play with any team on any given day. 
Because you, you could have a day where Chad Henney throws for 470 yards. Ridiculously. Now, mm-hmm. Chad Henney will come out this week as quarterback for the Jags and throw four picks and be terrible. So, I, I, it's, I, I love it. I actually love it. I think it levels the playing field a great deal. I desperately want one of those eight quarterbacks. And, well, and, and my team doesn't have one. But you've got two. Oh, your your team has two quarterbacks. Such a jerk. But Let your me, team has two quarterbacks. Let's talk Jets and Giants, and then we'll move on to the fun load. Okay. Because I want to read you this. Okay. The is, Jets, it, is it an original piece? No, no. <laughs> is, it something that you, is this something you've been working on all semester? Yeah, this is uh, – you guys, you guys, you got to check this out. I've been taking this French literature class. Blowing my mind. Blowing it. Blowing it. Plus, this girl I'm seeing is a quarter French, and so I need to take this class. Oh, so she's like your inspiration. She is, uh, yeah, you know, it's a little like Alice in Chains sings about on dirt. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. It's a a lot like Screaming Trees right now. Because I nearly lost her, got her back. Wow. Um, You tell me... The Jets have had an extraordinarily interesting week. This is from a, an ESPN New York reporter. Okay, Jeremy Schapp. This is how the story opens. Okay, the headline is <laughs> no. I'm not even tell you the headline. You ready? <laughs> first, first paragraph. Well, this. That's all you have to say. <laughs> is that a Ian O'Connor? And scene. Close. Oh, okay. Well, this falls in the be careful what you wish for department. Plenty of folks wanted the pratfalling, backstabbing Jets to behave more professionally and act out less. We got it this week in the short wait for the Patriots. Now let's see if the Jets, if it wins the Jets any more games or just a couple of drumsticks upside the head on national television on Thanksgiving night. Oh, I get it because it's, it's turkey in Thanksgiving. That's correct. That's, that's funny. That is uh that, mean, right? that is uh Jeanette Howard. Oh Jeanette Howard, I'm sorry. I my apology to Mr. Samini. Who writes an entire article but that that first line that first line sums it up. Be careful what you wish for. The media is beside themselves that the Who? Jets have behaved in a professional manner this week, except one Mike Francesa. Can I ask you though? <laughs> When she says, be careful what you wish for, who is she? Is she addressing her fellow members of the media or is she addressing the fans? Because I, I, don't, I, think know. The, I, think I don't know. I don't know. That's my question to you. Because I think the fans are perfectly fine with this. The fans as are matter, static. As a matter of fact, the fans have taken this and gone a little bit too far with it, with their overconfidence now. Well, that's the four stages of talking yourself into, into and out of the Jets. You've gone through the four stages. I would, in, I in a short week. Yeah, it's fast. If it was a full week, it'd be the seven stages. Oh, so it's only the four stages? It's, it's only the four stages. It's the number of days in the week is the number of stages. That you had, right, you had Sunday, they played really, really well, and then Rex in his post-game press conference was humble. It was the most normal post-game press conference you've ever heard. They beat a, a, a team soundly. Sanchez played well. They sat Tebow. Uh, all good. You were back in. Hey, you know what? I'm back in on this team. 
Hey, why not? Why can't they run off a couple of wins here? And and you know what? Maybe they learned a little bit. You know, it was the most circus-like week of the year with the Tebow is terrible stuff. Maybe they learned from it. Maybe it is bringing them together. They might be on to something. Maybe they do know better than us. And then Monday comes, and they're continuing with this idea of you're in stage two now. Like, let's see Monday's presser with Rex. I'm skeptical. If he tweaks the Patriots. Because it's Patriot Week. He's he can't, gonna, he can't he's help gonna, himself. He's going to, especially when during the press conference, somebody lobs a question at him designed to. Oh, he can't help himself. He's like a fat kid in a candy store. Wait, what's this? He did? Wait, wait. What do you mean? What do you mean his answer was, I'm not getting into that. We can't even talk about the playoffs right now. And I'm not I'm not going to tweak the Patriots. There's no need. We're, we're not in that level. We're not in that class. Wait, what? Okay, now I'm really starting to buy back in. This is Now I'm fully into stage two. Fully in. I feel great. Ah, and then Tuesday comes. No. on Tuesday? No bad articles. He gives an interview on ESPN New York with Michael Kay and says, we can't think about the playoffs. We just have to get better one game at a time. Mike Francesa has an entire show and only rips on the Jets like 15 or 20 times. <laughs> and, and gently and, and mildly. Okay? So now you're in stage three. Now, now you're skeptical. Because now everybody's like feeling too good. And Gronkowski broke his arm. And it was while the Patriots were quote-unquote running it up. And Belichick is under fire. And Gronkowski's not going to play. And Mogan, uh, uh, Logan Mankins isn't going to play. And, and, if you, and, and if the Jets can beat the Patriots somehow on Thursday, just look at their schedule after that. Look at their schedule. They have five easy games after that. Now you're in stage three. Stage three is questioning. Everything's too good. And then today, stage four. Well, stage four is that now I'm, I'm back to where I started because now everybody is, you know, it's overconfident. Stage four. Now they can't lose. Right. Now Gronkowski, Logan Mankins, and Chandler Jones are not playing. They're having a great week of practice. Everybody's loose. They're not talking smack. Bart Scott says we can't talk about it. You know, we just got to focus on getting better. And Rex Ryan defends Bill Belichick and says he's right. And then, of course, you have two things that happen. Manesh Mehta, the writer for the Daily News, who caused the entire ridiculousness last week with his anonymous quotes about Tim Tebow being terrible, writes an article about how they need to keep Rex today and distance himself from the article that he wrote. When he references... The anonymous quotes from last week. It wasn't in my report. He references them in his own article as those quotes in the Daily News. And that sound you hear is the sound of a clown car slowly being driven out of the NFL AM studios. (laughs) Okay? And then, at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Mike Francesa, a.k.a. Krusty Francesa, has to give the Jets credit on two fronts. Turducken. (laughs) That smells like angioplasty. He He gives 
Rex Ryan credit for backing up Bill Belichick because, of course, Francesa agreed with Bill Belichick, so Rex therefore agreed with Francesa. And two, he says, hey, you know what? Good job by the Jets this week. No, he took shots at them while he was saying it. But he said this is the first week they've acted after a win how they're supposed to act. Maybe they're getting it. Maybe they're maturing. And he talked about the game against the Patriots today in terms of how they could actually maybe win from a football standpoint. Forget and and how they can actually make the playoffs. Correct. He laid out a so, map to the playoffs. Stage four. They've ruined it. Now there is no doubt in my mind that the Jets are losing this game thirty four to ten tomorrow. No doubt. I agree. No doubt. Ah. <laughs> hey, real quick on the field stuff, okay. On the field stuff. One thing we saw last week when we when we did our two and a half hour show last week. We talked about wanting them to scrap the Wildcat entirely and use it as they did with Brad Smith. Use it situationally. Use it against the team. It doesn't have to be used every week. And I remember texting you when they got the lead, when they got that 13-7 lead. I said, there's no need to see Tebow the rest of the day. No need. He doesn't need to spark the offense. They don't need to change anything up. They don't need to confuse anybody. They're running the ball extraordinarily well, and Sanchez is playing really, really well. And they did that. So that was one thing we called for. The other thing we called for was less personnel packages, and they did that too. Yeah, I mean, early on there was some confuse, confusion in the huddle, but for the most part, they you know they had a T-ball moment again. They did. They can't help themselves. But you know, you saw Chaz Schillens get a lot of snaps. You saw Jeremy Curley get as many snaps as he could because he was banged up. But Jeremy, but guys like like. Jason Hill didn't play. How nice. When they went to two or three tight ends, they used two or three actual tight ends. Right. They used Cumberland, Keller, or, uh, Keller Cumberland, and Ruland, as opposed to using, uh, what's his name? Jason, uh, uh, oh, uh, Justin Smith? J- uh, no, Jason, Jason Smith. Jason Smith, no. Jason Hill is no. the guy they cut. He's the receiver. Not, not Jason Hill. It's Jason Smith. Jason Smith, right? Justin Smith. No. Yeah. Anyway, he's the Jason Hill is the receiver they cut. Right. Again. <laughs> yeah. Did you see they signed uh, Jordan uh, Hill? Jordan. Jordan White. Jordan White. The draft pick, seventh round draft pick. Right. They brought him back. Yes. And made him active from the practice squad. He's going to suit up for the first. Well, that's because Curly is hurt. And also, they they released Jason Hill. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Jason Smith, <laughs> Justin Turner, Hunter Hunter Smith, Hunter Pence, <laughs> Hunter S. Blanco. So on the field, look. What do they need to do to, to win this game, Bri? Tell me. Give me the keys what, to the game. What, what do they need to break it down, Cal style? Well, you know, it's weird because what they need to do is something that we don't want them to do. They need to they need to throw the ball. To beat the Patriots, I don't have a problem with them throwing the ball. Yeah, but but Sanchez, it proved last week that he's much better in small doses, and he's much better, you know, con, you know, controlling the game rather than trying to make plays. Yeah, but I uh, no. Well, maybe, but he he doesn't in a game like this. It's situational in a game like this. He has to attack that secondary like he did in the first game. Well, yeah, well, that's what they, they – basically, they need to play like they did in the first game. 
Without the turnovers. Without the turnovers and without the prevent defense at the end. Be aggressive on defense. And the kick return for a touchdown. Just conveniently forgot. Forgot to... That was huge. That kick return for a touchdown is huge. Right, right. You can't have those special teams lapses. And you know what? When Sanchez plays a clean game, they win. Period. I mean, that's it. That's it. I don't want to see Tim Tebow in the game. At all? At all. On punts. Okay. As a punt protector. That's that's when I want to see him. I don't want to see him. I don't. I, I have no problem with what you're saying. I've you know? Not... It's, but it's interesting, though, because this week... We finally saw Tebow starting to get a little annoyed. You know, he, he he went in, they called the play, got stuffed, came off the field, and he was shaking his head. He's the greatest teammate ever, by the way. How dare you? Well, listen, I can't I can't blame him. I can. What's he getting he frustrated was, about? Because, he, you know, he didn't ask for this. He was put into a, a real crappy situation. Oh, Brian, but we are led to believe that he did. That's We've been told that he did choose He this. chose the Jets. That's he right. chose the Jets because beating out Mark Sanchez was the easiest way to, for him to be a starter again. Oh, I forgot. Not beating out Blaine Gabbert, who just had Chad Henney replace him. And had Blaine Gabbert not gotten hurt, Chad Henney would have replaced him anyway. Look, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think you need him. But but that's less about Tim Tebow and more about how poorly Sperano has used him this year. Right, because he doesn't know what to do with him. Like if you could use him effectively like you did with Brad Smith, I wouldn't have any problems seeing him for a change of pace or, it's, or a trick play or to go up top or whatever. But I think uh, 10 games yeah. into the season, we know that that's not what we're going to see. I, so. I agree, so there's no point in seeing him. I understand. I, I, I agree with that. I I think it's going to be a very uh, interesting game, but I I'm I'm back to the Jets getting blown out. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, and they're going to lose late. 